When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. on a Tuesday afternoon. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, perfect posture as always. we got a lot to get to on the show today. We're going to talk very shortly to Brian Baldinger, who was in attendance on Sunday as the Eagles came back to beat the Buffalo Bills. You talked to the coordinator, Zach. We'll get into all of that, dip our toes into the San Francisco 49ers. But uh, most importantly, first of all, you had basketball tryouts last night. How did it go? My lungs are still recovering from the pneumonia. So mm, okay. uh, it, it did not go as I anticipated. My first run out there, I was feeling it. Not like when you feel it when you're, you know, trying to get in shape. This was more like, ooh, you know, there's, there's, okay. I, I was coughing, right? And so what next, are they, I'm, I'm so fascinated Monday by we'll the, by the dynamics of the, uh, what were the tryouts like? Well, you just sort of played. Yeah, it's an open gym basically. Okay. And then they see. Who, How many guys showed up? What do we got? Well, I, th- I think there's there's gonna be seven teams or thereabouts. Seven teams. So, wow. so no, seven basically, teams of like eight guys. What's the? Yeah, so, yeah, six, seven guys on a team. Okay. It's four on four. It's a smaller court. Okay. So I love a four on four. Again, I didn't anticipate this leading the show, uh, but we should probably you know Kyle and Derek are here. We we yeah. might need to get them in to help analyze. I'd love to do a post game show from one of your games. <laughs> Well, what you'd say is is that's a heady point guard who does not shoot. Playing point. Well, famously, we know that you don't pass. You, you no, like, no, I pass. I mean, I, you don't shoot. Geez, yes, of course. Yes. You, my heart almost <laughs> beat out of my chest. If yes. anything, what I'm trying to do is be a good teammate. Yes, you've made Pass the, the ball, made, play defense. Yes. You, yes. you, you, you uh, wait all week to play these games, and you barely put up a single shot is, is basically the story that's been told to us in the past. Well, I'm trying to win. I didn't know that you were playing point, though. I, well, sometimes I have the ball, sometimes I, I, I don't. But, yeah, no, I, I, I was bringing it up. Last night I did not play particularly well. I will play better as the season progresses. I, mean, uh, I would imagine so. You but, can, you know, a little no, rusty. Uh, to answer your question, it was it was an open gym. And a bunch of uh, – it, it was it, it basically the captains evaluate. And, honestly, you're looking for height. You're looking for shooting. Mm. Neither of which I can offer. <laughs> um, but if you want someone who, like, knows where to get the ball. Uh, is, I was sort of under the impression – well, I'll let you finish. First of all, go ahead. And then – Really tries to fit within the team dynamic. I'm your guy. That feels like a job interview. I, I wouldn't say that. No, I, okay. I, I believe, you know, it's, uh, what's, what's the expression? The, the, the strength of the pack is the wolf and the strength of the wolf is the pack. I believe they use that for, uh, they, remember they use that for bison as well at North Dakota State they games. Did. They did that at NC State as well. Now, I was under the impression that it was supposed to, like, you're sort of carrying on with the same franchise. Like, is yeah. that not the case? I do think my captain's going to try to put the band back together. Oh, okay. but we need a little more scoring. So hopefully, there's you can't some... take it upon yourself to do it. Yeah. Well, I I think that there can be like a, a good year two acquisition. I have my eyes on a few, or oh. I should say, I I think my captain 
Uh, he's awesome. I, th I think he has his eyes on a on a few acquisitions who uh, who can really help us in that scoring. Paying department. the big bucks. Well, so I mean, we're trying to win, right? You're, there's a championship at stake here. Okay. I mean, how what what's the name of the trophy? Is there like a? Oh, I that I don't know. <laughs> okay. The, the, uh, the Monday Night League champs. I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, there's a championship at. Yeah. Uh, Did you win your softball league this year? We won the fall. Okay. We did. Uh, there were only like four games played because ah. of all the rain, but we uh, we, we yeah, did yeah. bounce back and and dominate in the fall after uh, just an okay summer. It seemed to rain every Saturday this year. My my son's soccer games were limited to like five games. Mm, tough. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. It's basketball right. season. They don't rain out basketball season. That's true. That is true. All right. Um, before we get to the rest of the show, let's, uh, let's transition. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Brian Baldinger just about half an hour ago while Zach was talking to the coordinator. So let's uh, let's go to that now. His insight on Eagles Bills, Lane Johnson. We know that Baldy is the Lane Whisperer and also sort of flipping our attention, turning it forward to the San Francisco 49ers a little bit. Let's check that out. All right. Time for the main event. We have our weekly session with Brian Baldinger. Baldy, uh, you were you were in the house on Sunday for that crazy game yeah. between the Eagles and Bills. I guess my first question is, what was the biggest difference for you from watching it in person to getting to sort of grind the tape on it? What, what jumped out? Well, just the emotion in the stadium. Uh, you know, you're not going to get that in the film room, Bo. And just, you know, just walking the field before the game and talking to Josh Allen and, and Diggs. I mean, it just had the buildup of a big game. You know, the crowd was into it. It's a late game. Um, you know, it's a big national TV game, CBS. It just had a buildup of a big game, and it felt like that, and it and it played like that. It played like a like a playoff game where you can have like these runs of emotions and and uh, momentum shifts, and we saw all of that in the game. You know, going going right down to the fifty nine yard field goal, you know, to send it to overtime, and then the plays in overtime. Uh, I just thought that's what kind of was the difference to me, you know, between studying it and, and being there live. So I guess let's let's start with the Eagles offense. And, and I do want to ask you about Lane in, in, a, in a few minutes. But first, in terms of the flow of that game for the Eagles, you know, so much struggle in the first half. They had the one touchdown drive, but then really couldn't get anything else going in that first half. What sort of changed to you in the second half? And, and what did that sort of say about, you know, there's so much focus on Brian Johnson, right? In terms of in-game adjustments, what, what sort of popped for you? Well, you know, they were they were kind of in a deep malaise to start the third quarter, too. They went three and out to start yeah. the third quarter, down 17-7. And then they popped a run, a bid run by DeAndre Swift. And honestly, it was an incredible block by Kelsey that sprung them. And I felt like he, that was the spark plug. They got a big – it, it flipped field position. It was 36 yards. You know, they ended up scoring on it. Um, I think that was, you know, the first time that they – they got the ball to Devontae for the touchdown, and it was really a well-designed play. But I felt like that was the spark that the team needed. They they got it on the ground. Kelsey made the big block. Um, you know, behind every big run they had all day, it was Kelsey's block that did it. And so uh, I felt like that kind of – when he gets out in the perimeter and he starts moving and, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, you know, finishing touchdown run in overtime, whatever it is, like it seems like he springs – big runs with his blocks that yeah that block on the on the game winner the 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 quarterback draw or quarterback trap whatever you want to call it when he comes out I mean that's a, it's I don't know how many guys I mean, can do that. right there I mean Dodson's you know a good player but he's he's right there to stop it and Kelsey just basically sandwiches him and you know Jalen goes right by him and he's in the alley and so um I mean I counted five or six blocks like that from Kelsey in the game and you know when the running game is going usually everything else goes as well. And obviously on a day when, when they don't have Lane Johnson and Jack Driscoll steps in, and it seemed to me did, did a better job than he did in that Jets game for sure. Um, you need Kelsey and you need Jordan Mailata and Landon Dickerson to be, you know, stepping up their game a little bit. It seemed like maybe that was the case. What did you see from, from the right side of the offensive line without Lane? Well, it's good getting Jurgens back in there. He's a really good player. He's also very athletic. He gets to the second level really good. Um, you know, and they've got some big guys up front that he handled, but I thought they did a good job just game planning. They didn't leave Driscoll out there all by himself against Von Miller and against, you know, Gregory Rousseau and some of the guys that are out there. And so I think from that standpoint, 
They didn't give him help all the time, but they had, they had a guy, they had a tight end there, a back. They were chipping. They weren't going to let him just get, you know, the brunt of some really good pass rushers come right at him. So I thought early on, like, maybe Leonard Floyd bothered him the first one or, you know, a couple pass rushes. Obviously, he got the tip that became intercepted. That's not Driscoll's fault. Um, that, that happens when you're throwing the ball to the perimeter as much as teams do these days. Um, but I thought Lane Johnson, you know, was in his ear on the sideline. You know, like he was coaching. He was helping him out. You know, just everything from, you know, from his stance to getting off. Like I thought he got off on the snap really, really well. Um, and that's – it almost looked like Lane Johnson's start as quickly as he got out, which is half the battle, honestly, against these pass rushers. Just don't get off to bad starts where you're trying to catch up and then they get you off balance in a bad position. So I thought he got off to really good starts. Knowing knowing Lane as as well as you do, what do you think that was like for him having to sort of be the coach on the sideline instead of being out there? We know how much of a warrior he is, how much he wants to get out there. What do you think that that Sunday was like for him? Well, I don't think it was pleasant. You know, I mean, he he did work out. Um, you know, I he, look, I I told him just to be smart. I didn't tell him not to play. I just said be smart. You got Bosa coming to town. Uh, you know, this week you got Micah the following week. You've got playoff games. I mean, you just got to be smart. I told him Trent Williams missed two games with a bad ankle. They lost both games, but he's playing at, you know, back to the same level now and 49ers are rolling. So like, you just have to be smart. Like sometimes you got to take a step back. Nobody wants to take himself off the field, but you know, this thing might be nagging from the double sur hernia surgery he had last year, scar tissue could be a lot of different things. Um, but I thought, you know, look, he's, he's all about team. He's all about winning. So um, if Jack Driscoll's in there, he's going to do everything he can to help him out. I mean, obviously, Stout's doing his job and Kelsey's calling snaps and all that stuff. But you help a guy out as much as you can without interfering with him. The guy's still got to go play. But if you can give him a nugget here and there that can help him against certain guys, then you, you know, you impart that. It's, you know, you become the coach at that point. On the defensive side of the ball, 92 plays on the field for the Eagles defense. Just guys getting getting gassed, you sort of imagine. But and yet and still Jordan Davis, you know, in overtime with the game on the line is chasing down Josh Allen. Jalen Carter's playing a ton of snaps. What jumped out to you? What impressed you about, you know, sort of the metal of, of the guys on defense in this game? Well, both those guys. I mean, they both played the most snaps they've ever played in a the game. They needed them. Fletcher went down. Milton's down. I mean, they're down bodies. And so they don't have the same rotation. So, you know, we haven't seen either one of those guys play that many snaps. And they were really good. Outside of the one drive where Buffalo – ran it kind of right at him that got, you know, ended up in a touchdown outside of that drive. I thought they played against the run really well. I thought they had good pass rush. They moved Josh. I mean, Josh is, he's an elite player. Unbelievable. So, you man. Know, the touchdown run and, you know, extending plays. I mean, he's just as good as there is, but at the same time, um, you know, I thought they, they controlled the line of scrimmage pretty good up front. So I, look, they drafted those guys to be the future. And maybe the future is is now. You know, maybe it's here. Like and that. so maybe they got to play more snaps going down the stretch, depending on the state of the injuries. What did you make of the the final play of overtime for the Bills? You know, the the third down to Gabe Davis, Josh Allen lets it go. Who's What do you think is supposed to happen there? Well, I think it's a blitz zero look. So, you know, on the outside right there, Slay's one-on-one. -on -one. You got Diggs, who usually runs the underneath route, which he did. The Eagles got it, but, you know, Gabe Davis got over the top. And, look, Josh Allen probably thinking there's nobody in the post. I'm throwing it to the post. Gabe Davis is like, I got past, you know, Slay. Just put it up here to the corner, and I'll just run underneath it and, you know, end the game. And uh, it was just a massive miscommunication uh, on both sides. I don't know who's at fault. I know Josh was really ticked, but I'm sure Gabe was too. He had a chance to win the game right there. And um, they got what they wanted. Yeah, you know, honestly, like they actually picked up a zero blitz pretty good. Josh had time to see the whole thing and he threw it to the post because I'm sure that's what their play is or what he thought it was supposed to be against that look with nobody in the post. Byers blitzing, you know, they're sending everybody. So that's a it's a big it's a big breakdown in their part. Now, obviously, you know, all eyes on Sunday's game now between the Eagles and Niners. We're sort of joking about how this is the Niners Super Bowl, given how much they've sort of talked about, you know, that NFC championship game in, in the 11 months since. But uh, in terms of between the white lines, 
the eye in the sky don't lie. What can you tell us about what makes this Niners team so difficult to prepare for? Well, they've, they've improved a lot. You know, they lost three games in a row. And so, uh, and then they had a bye week. So they went a month without winning. So that leaves a really bad taste in your mouth. Um, you know, and I told, I told Fred Warner a couple weeks ago, you know, the Rams did the same thing two years ago. Lost three games in a row, had a bye week, went a month without winning a game. And they went on a roll and won it all. And I, I told Fred, like, you, you guys are capable of doing that. And you know, when, I, when I saw him before the Tampa game, he felt like they were ready to roll. They're playing their best football they played all year. Defensively, the sack numbers are way up, quarterback hits, um, all that stuff. Like, they've just – they've given up three touchdowns in three games. But they haven't had to defend Jalen Hurts uh, or anybody even close to that. You know, Kyler Murray, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson, they haven't had to defend somebody that can extend plays like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. And so that's a different animal. And so um, they struggled against Justin Fields last year. They lost to Justin Fields. He made a couple big plays outside the pocket. So regardless of what their numbers look like or how well they're playing or who they just beat, this is a big test. They've got 10 days to get ready. This is, um, in, in some ways, in some ways it is the Super Bowl because if the 49ers win, they have a very good chance they have a legitimate chance of being the number one seed. If Philadelphia wins, they're going to be the number one seed. And, you know, Howie wants that. The Eagles want that. You know, then it's a question of, uh, you got Dallas on the schedule, but, you know, how motivated do you have to be down the stretch? Like, this game is is really pivotal for both teams. And 49ers need a signature win. They went to Jacksonville, thumped them, good win. But beating a team that whipped you in the championship game I mean, there's not going to be anybody in that organization doesn't think that they should be the favorites to win the Super Bowl. I think that's well said. Uh, I guess the, the biggest test last thing is, is probably Christian McCaffrey, right, for this defense. And we know how strong they've been stopping the run up the middle. But when they have been a little bit leaky, a lot of it has come from, from the edge. So what is important? What are the keys for the guys on defense going up against Christian McCaffrey? Well, he, he breaks a lot of tackles. You got to tackle him. I mean, he's not going down on contact. You throw your body into him, he's going to bounce right off you. And he's got excellent vision. So, like, he sees the next level, what's coming at him. He's 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 just an excellent runner between the tackles. Always has been. All the way back to, to Stanford days and Carolina days. He's excellent between the tackles because of his vision. He doesn't miss a hole. And then they, they only really run about five different plays. Like, it's not difficult. It's just difficult trying to stop it with Kittle and with Juice and the guys blocking. And when Trent Williams is in the game, he's sort of like their Zach Martin in Dallas. Like almost every run, whether it starts out behind Trent Williams or it starts the other, it usually ends up behind Trent because he's so he's just so good on his backside blocks and front side. Like he's, you know, that that he really makes – when he's not in there, the running game doesn't look nearly as, as powerful. All right. Well, Brian Baldinger, a full week of analysis on the All-NFL Show which you can check out yeah. on YouTube as well. Please watch that. Baldy, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Bo. My pleasure, man. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. I'll talk to you next week. Yep. Good stuff from Baldy, our hero, Zach. And speaking of heroes, maybe some of us have uh, overindulged after Thanksgiving. You're, the holiday season is a time of indulgence. Maybe you want to make sure that you are not going overboard. You want to cut those carbs a little bit. You know, you still want your bread. That's where Hero Bread comes in. The taste and texture of this bread is soft and fluffy. It's delicious, but it's also good for you. The primary nutritional interest, high fiber and or low net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and you get a nice discount code here with PHLY. That is 10% off. You can use it for uh, just eating bread. You can use it in, in recipes. Maybe you want to remake some stuffing, this time with Hero Bread. Why not? Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off of their first order. Just go to hero.co and use our code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. And the best thing I can say about any brand that or, or company that, that we discuss here is that I'm a customer. And I'm a customer at Wheelhouse Cards. 
because they do it right there. Wheelhouse is our go-to sports card, gift, and apparel shop in the Delaware Valley. Their motto is cards and community because love of sports unites us all. They carry all of your favorite card brands like Tops, Chrome Baseball, and Mosaic Football. They also have t-shirts, hats, hoodies from brands like Mitchell Ness, 47 Brand, Junk Food Starter, and Shy Vintage Sports. I'm a big Shy Vintage Sports fan. Looking to grade your sports card collection, Wheelhouse offers PSA grading submissions. They also host tons of different family-friendly events and birthday parties every month. Stop into either of their stores in Wayne or Westchester. If you go to their Wayne store, you might run into me. They're open seven days per week at 11 a.m. And if you use code PHLY, you're going to get $10 off any purchase of $25 or more in store. Also, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram at Wheelhouse Cards. All right. Great interview with Baldy. Two football guys talking shop. I like just, that. Just a couple of uh, line aficionados. Yes, that is true. That is true. And, uh, you know, when he was talking about how Trent Williams is like, there's Zach Martin. I th- I think when, when he's talking to you, you can go a little more esoteric. You know, you can get to... Michael Dunn. Michael Dunn. How about that? You used him in Immaculate Grid recently. I did. Only one team. Although, you know, if only, if only they knew how many teams it took to get to getting in a regular season yeah. game, which is what makes it qualify for Immaculate Grid. I haven't done today's. Have you? I have not either. Mm. Maybe we'll do it at the end of the show. That'd be a fun staple. Yeah, why not? Uh, all right, Zach, you were down at the Novak yes. Complex that way earlier today. You talked to Sean Desai. You talked to Brian Johnson. You talked to Michael Clay. Let's start with Brian Johnson, the man who has yeah. been uh, in focus for some of the past few weeks. What did you learn from Brian Johnson? Well, first off, I, I want to set the scene here of this interesting dichotomy. Uh, because it's similar, frankly, to how Eagles fans were kind of dealing with Jonathan Gannon last year in that he's getting questions up there, fair questions, about are are you aware that you are like the subject of criticism among fans or scrutiny among fans? And then the next question is one I I want to ask him about, like on the other end of the spectrum, your name is on head coaching lists, Adam Schefter, Put his name out there every every you know it's it's this season where you already saw frank reich fin has has been dismissed who can hire the, the b johnson of their dreams uh, ben johnson or or brian johnson but brian johnson is a legitimate head coaching candidate in the in this in, in this league and i think you'll see that pick up steam so uh sometimes there's i don't want to frame it as a disconnect because all these things are are nuanced but kind of the way the league sees the assistant is the way the the it's different than kind of the the fan base sees the assistant and the fan base sometimes is focused in on what's your play call on third and three right whereas the league's looking at all right how are you as a coach how you are how are you as a leader what's your vision who have you worked with who do you know you know there's 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 different ways of framing it i i think that's over uh i think that's too much credit to the league i think <laughs> i think oftentimes the league works who is working for a successful organization? Who is your agent? Well, who do you know? That and that is not to discredit Brian Johnson, yeah. who I think is a, a very reasonable head coaching candidate, and I would be interested in interviewing if I was hiring a head coach. But let's not, you know, as as David Tepper fires his like fourth coach in four seasons, let's not uh, overvalue how efficient that market is. Well, I'm I'm not overvaluing how efficient that 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 market is, and certainly if you're the offensive coordinator on a 10 and one team uh, and you were the quarterbacks coach for the number two two an MVP candidate last year then you uh, your name's invariably going to be on on that list but the league has some has done some things behind the scenes um, for uh, you know Brian Johnson the the be in front of decision makers uh, and you've seen that sure and Brian Johnson I'm I'm fascinated by his his resume overall. Uh, and again, you're hiring more than a resume. You're hiring a personality, but he's worked for some real creative coaches. He was an offensive coordinator at like 25 years old at, at Utah. And the thing that uh, I, I keep bringing up because this this also shouldn't be dismissed is like he's played real high level college football. Brian Johnson was was the starting quarterback on a 12-0 Utah team that beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Um, and Brian Johnson was talking today about like how the team is uh, is put in these how 
how the team handles these late game situations and they stay calm and they have composure and there's certain poise that they play with and they believe they're in it. And there's a part of me that's thinking like, if, if I'm Brian Johnson, I'm, I'm, I'm flexing up here, man, because you know, he once beat TCU, I think 13, 10 by leading TCU on a, on, no, I'm, I'm sorry, by, by leading Utah on a, like dramatic drive against Gary Patterson's defenses are who are like renowned to be some of the toughest defenses in college football. I think he went seven for nine on the, on that drive. I, 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 I did. This is I, some real sicko stuff. I hope I'm not speaking out of, out of turn here. Cause it wasn't one. The microphone was on, but I, I did bring that up to him afterwards. I'm like, you should have mentioned that. And, uh, Brian Johnson credit to him with a little flex here. He could have mentioned the Oregon state game, which was even bit, which is even more impressive. Like nice. people had already left. Um, so I, I bring that up as, as, as a way of saying Brian Johnson, uh, I, I'm, I've, I, I, I suppose I've been on like a personal crusade ever since he was, uh, the, the, a name, the offensive coordinator. He's sometimes billed as like Jalen Hurts's yes. lackey, right? Yes. And even, you know, Press Taylor was kind of billed that, that, that way when Carson Wentz was here. Brian Johnson's very accomplished with his within his own right. I'm not saying that he's making like great play calls every Sunday. I'm not saying he's going to be a great head coach. There's a lot of variables there, but Brian Johnson is far more than a Jalen Hurts creation. And I think sometimes it's framed that way because he played for Jalen Hurts, father. I totally agree with what you're saying. I do think it's very funny to say he could flex a little bit and say, I once scored 13 points against Gary Patterson's defense. <laughs> it's like, it's okay. No, the, fine, the, the, the fourth quarter comeback. I know, but he's, you're talking about, you, you led with 13 points. Like, <laughs> okay. But I think that's actually, I mean, yeah. we've, we've, we have talked about it before. Yeah. Like he is, he is not just here because he, you know, played for Jalen Hurts' yes. dad in high school. Um, he has, he has plenty on his resume and, to a thing that you've talked about with Nick Sirianni, there was more to being a head coach yes. than just what you do as a play caller on Sundays. And, and, you know, Sirianni has talked about how Brian Johnson has that, that calm. Mm -hmm. And it, it certainly is juxtaposed with the way that Sirianni is on the sideline. And I think back to what Fletcher Cox said last week about how the calmer you are, the calmer we are going to be. I, I do think that, that Brian Johnson is like a, is a steady hand. Yes. And I think that goes back to his, to his playing days, but, but to get back to the original question, I'm sorry that I took the deviation that I did uh, was he, he spoke today about that criticism and he's like, this comes with the job. He gets it. It comes with playing football. He's used to it. He experienced it as a player. Like this is, this is part of his role. It doesn't bother him. He doesn't think about it. It, it, it wouldn't do him any good to pay attention to it. Uh, that was his response to the criticism. His response to the head coaching interest is, is the standard he can only control what he can control and right now like his his focus is is with this team now some some nitty-gritty stuff here they 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 need to figure out the slow starts in games and 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 that did come up and there is kind of a feast and famine to the offense it's either like three and out or a touchdown drive um and and there's things they're looking into i i saw uh an allusion to to a play call that he had to julio jones um, on on a third down, like a pass to the flat. And I did ask him what did he like about the horizontal passing game. And he asked for clarification on what I meant by the horizontal passing game. And I said, you know, when you're throwing the ball to the, to, right. uh, to you know, you're throwing the ball out, out wide, I imagine you're trying to get guys in space. Like I was trying to tee him up there. Uh, and so what, what he said is that there's a few things. First off, you're trying to get the defense to cover every blade of grass, right? So not just the length of the field, but the width of the field. Okay. Classic Chip Kelly talk. Yes. Number one. Number two, he said, you're trying to get the ball in your playmaker's hands in space. With now, I don't know if Julio Jones is that playmaker, but Julio's coming though. Julio's coming. <laughs> but the third thing, and I think this is probably most valid for the sake of this conversation, is he said sometimes those plays are like checks out of runs. So whether there's an RPO or or, or there's a check, but they have a run called the the look's not there. And the check is, is, is that quick pass. So there's, there's different variables there that you can look at. Uh, but overall, uh, I can't emphasize this enough. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to be a Brian Johnson lackey. <laughs> I know I, I've received a lot of um, uh, criticism for defending Jonathan Gannon last year. Uh, all I'm suggesting is that the numbers right now are not far off from the numbers at this time a year ago. Correct. And 
I know that's a talking point that the organization's given, but but that's like objective data. That's true. And they are facing a tougher schedule this year. The, the I think with there are isolated calls that I disagree with. Then I think there's a certain rhythm to the game that he can do a better job with. And I I I also think that the turnovers that there's a certain sloppiness to some of the turnovers that need to be rectified. But I I don't I think the Brian Johnson criticism is a little overboard right now given now the offense needs to play better. Against Kansas City it was the second uh, worst yardage output in the Sirianni era. Through 3 quarters yes uh, on Sunday Jalen Hurts didn't have 100 yards. But when you look at 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 the macro, not the micro, the macro. Uh I think that Brian Johnson's What about the Algro? Oh, I can have a whole show about Algro. I would love that. Algro was uh, very influential in my understanding of football early on in my career. Uh, learned a lot of learned a lot from Algro. Seriously, and it's a man I respect. Um, well, he's a he's a man in a position of power, so of course you respect him. <laughs> All right, <laughs> should we unpack that one, or should I just let that slide? I'm not quite sure what that meant. Um, you can finish your Brian Johnson point. I I. Uh, chat, please come back at me if I'm if I'm wrong here. I don't think Brian Johnson's done that bad of a job this year. Like I think the criticism is 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 part. He's the guy calling plays. You don't like the plays, so you blame the offensive coordinator. Sure, and we don't we it, we don't know how to split up what is Brian Johnson, what is Nick Sirianni from the design. You know, Sirianni went on the whole thing on on Monday's press conference about how when you talk about a a bad play call, it's not just like. This, the the call that you make, but the design of the play, like are the are the um, the details of it correct, and and that goes into that's a Sirianni thing, right? It's hard to unpack that. I, I think I think the frustration with the offense, not not Brian Johnson, but the offense at times, is that there are these long periods where it seems like they are stuck in the mud, and they have yeah. a lot of three and outs. You know, Daniz has has tweeted about how uh, like when they get a first down, they're like the best team in the league and or are close to the best team in the league in, in getting points, but there are too many times when they do not get first downs. And it does seem like there are times when they are not doing the simple things where it's like, here's a run to, you know, yeah. to Kenny Gainwell or here's sure. a pass to Julio Jones. Like, let's get our best players involved. And it's that, not, yeah. And it's also a Jalen Hurts thing. Like Jalen Hurts was not playing well in the first half against the Bills. Exactly. He was not seeing things clearly. I don't know how much that was on Brian Johnson. That's that's a Jalen Hurts thing. And so Brian Johnson is the boogeyman for whenever there's a problem with the offense, it's the new guy. It's not just him. But I do think that there are, like, uh, eye test-wise, the offense is not as crisp, like, on a dr- drive-in and drive-out basis as it as it seemed last year. Maybe that is the, the uh, schedule to what you were talking about. And over the course of the season, the numbers are very similar. I do agree that it just it doesn't feel quite as easy as it did last year. Yeah, now I I think the the schedule does have something to do with it. I also and think, so do expectations, sure. right? Like and and there was a lull there at, in the middle, the late last year. I think yes. about the Colts game in in particular. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm real glad you brought up the Jalen Hurts point though, because I brought this up in the post game when and 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 it was a fair question from Jamie when he said, you know, this this strikes me as like a Brian Johnson game with Lane Johnson out. My response is no, this is a Jalen Hurts game. And I think sometimes it's it's like all the good things in the offense are put on Jalen, yes. and all the bad things are put on Brian Johnson. Right. And it was that way too. This is not like like this is not what was Brian Johnson. This is the this is that role. It was that same way with Press Taylor. It was it's it's. I mean, you can go. I didn't cover the team when like Marty. Well, well I did cover the team when Marty was the offensive coordinator, but. I imagine, you know, like earlier on when there were some McNabb struggles, I imagine you've, there was a similar sentiment then. Sometimes Jalen Hurts doesn't make the right play, or sometimes right. Jalen Hurts makes a bad decision, or or he he rushes out of the pocket and it's a well designed play, but Jalen doesn't see it, or that's 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 the nature of, of of playing that position. So I think it's 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 okay to put it on the players sometimes too. It's it, it's not always. It's it's not always the coordinator, and and that goes back to my Jonathan Gannon point last year, which was which was the players are the, are the ones executing. Like players deserve the credit, players deserve blame. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Uh, all right, moving forward, 
Before we get into the rest of what you heard from the coordinator, Zach, let's talk about game time, because if you want to be there for the San Francisco 49ers Super Bowl, you can do it on Sunday by buying tickets through game time. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They've got flash deals and last-minute tickets easy to find and buy Tickets for every kind of event in your area, images of seat views, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem with code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. Uh, we talked about Brian Johnson. How about Michael Clay before we get to Sean yeah. Desai? What would you hear from Michael Clay? Uh, 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 somebody who has been through the Brian Johnson ringer mm-hmm. of having his job called for and has come out on the other side with a, with a unit that is now number one in special teams DVOA. Yeah, and credit to, to, to Michael Clay because this special teams is playing really well. Credit the players, of course, too. Uh, Michael Clay, there was a few things there. Jake Elliott questions there, and uh, no knock on, on Michael Clay. I think he would tell you this, too. He's not like coaching Jake Elliott through right. kicks, and, and he would tell you that, too. Uh, so, But he, he did talk about the operation there. Gave a lot of credit to Rick Lovato's snap. Brandon Mann got the hold down. He liked... Uh, the, the the blocking, he says that's that's a key. Like Jake Elliott's very seldom under pressure, um, and that can, and that comes from the reps and practice and the film study. Um, he he said Jake Elliott's kicks though, like knew exactly how to kick it, where to kick it. Uh, so so a, a lot of credit to Jake Elliott there. Um, Jalen Carter's blocked field goal. He said actually Jalen Carter came close on the forty eight yarder too. To blocking that one and great pressure from from Jalen Carter but actually really liked the penetration from Jordan Davis in the B gap there that he thought made a difference on that play so even though Jalen Carter got the block or got his hand on it Jordan Davis really disrupted timing there uh so so so, so gave credit to Jordan Davis in yesterday's press conference that Nick Sirianni had he was effusive in his praise for Britton Covey Said Britton Covey's the best returner in the league. We we talked about this yesterday, uh, so I, I I wanted some more background from from Michael Clay. I I I asked him specifically, state your case. Why is he the best returner in the league? And he's like, I don't have to since week thirteen last year. Look at the numbers, and talked about the advantage that uh, Covey's giving them the the way Covey's playing. I asked about the conversation that Sirianni had. That Sirianni says he has, where he says to the coaches, like, is this guy going to be first team all pro? You know, is this guy going to make the Pro Bowl? And and Sirianni says he's on a mission for this to happen. Well, so so Michael Clay said Sirianni's not necessarily tracking each team's special teams throughout the week. Okay. So the team, so they actually give him data on like how the other special teams performers are doing okay. and uh, give Sirianni a chance to to see how, how Covey is. And then Sirianni can kind of put that into his his uh, messaging uh he was asked clay was asked by he's, he's got to break one he's got to he's got to like score a touchdown yeah so to clay be, was actually clay was asked about that as as well he was asked about first off covey being like a, a punching bag out out there and he said he's had this conversation with with covey that it's it's not a matter of of covey like inviting hits he's he's what five eight five nine 170 pounds when he, when he hits, hits his, hit, it, yeah. it, it, he's he's but 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 Cubby doesn't feel it as like in a in in the way that one might think. Uh, but he did say so. This is an interesting anecdote. After the game, Michael Clay went to congratulate Alamdi Zacchaeus on his touchdown pass, and and Oz was 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 pissed off about the block that he had on a Covey return. Okay. That he thought if he had if he could adjust had this block in a better position, then Covey could have broke it loose. So he says that's, that speaks to the nature of the special teams, but it also 
shows that 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 Covey's that close on some of these. I do feel that like like Covey's skill is that he's good at at turning what could be like a three yard return into a twelve yard return, but he doesn't have like the explosive like a Cavante Turban okay. explosiveness to. Like once he makes two guys miss, all of a sudden he can just yeah. run. He's he's quicker than fast, right? He's he's okay. shiftier than yeah. he is explosive. I like that. That's fair. I'm not disagreeing with you there. Uh, that's oh. great. I mean, he's doing. He's been doing a great job. Also, shout out to, to, to Clay on 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 keeping it on keeping it honest. What the kids say, keeping it 100, as Paul Reed says, keeping it 50 times too, right? Uh, I think that's what Paul Reed says. I saw it in the chat earlier. Okay. On, thanks to cousin Grace, but yeah, I, so, I'm not. I'm not Listening to everything Paul so Reed says. So it was I'm framed. Sorry. It was framed to Michael Clay. Have you ever had a returner as sure-handed as Britton Covey? And he said, "I coached Darren Sproles." <laughs> right. So I, I, I like, he I had like some that. Good special, he was a good special teams in San Francisco too when yeah. he was the assistant. Yeah. It. Yes, that's true. It, it actually, if you want a little Al Grow anecdote, there's this. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to butcher this anecdote now as I, as I say it, but it was this funny thing where he was asked like, is this like the best performance you've ever seen or best player you've ever seen? And Al Groh was just like 56. And that was his answer. And he was referencing Lawrence Taylor, but it was just, it was just the, the, the wind, the wistful way with, with which he thought about Lawrence Taylor. That reminded me on a, in a different scale when clay was, was like, uh, I was like, yeah, Darren Sproles. I mean, no disrespect to Britton Covey, but you're not Darren Sproles. You got a long way to go to be Darren Sproles. So, sure, and yeah, I I know yeah. Darren Sproles. I coach Darren Sproles. You, sir, I know Darren Sproles. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Michael Dukakis, right? Uh, that, that's where it's from. I, I'm good, good job. Okay, I'm, uh, I was a political science major, American history minor. I, I know this very well. I mean, he's no Al Grow. Uh, I, I hold Al Grow in highest. The chief compliments to the chef. Compliments to the chef. Uh, so then the the last thing um, from today uh, was decide. Did we get into decide? We have not yet. Okay. So because we we talked off off air, so sometimes I conflate the two. As as Barkan used to tell me, don't do the show in the green room. Okay. <laughs> but I, I I literally I used to do you know Daily News Live and Philly Sports Talk. Flex. And, yeah, flex. And I'd be in the green room. And you know me, like I, I love talking sports. Sure. So you have the different panelists and different guests walk in, and I'm asking them a bunch of questions, right? And uh, and credit to Michael Barkin. It's basically goes, his way of telling you to be quiet. Was that? No, and, I, and I'm, I'm just He's like, trying to prepare for the show. I'm like, so what do you think of Don't do the show on the green room. I was like, so what do you think of this? I have and, to think to or, myself, Or please. we'd have like a, a guest, you know, we'd have like, like Kelsey on the show or something. And I'd be chatting away in the green room and and uh, and parking. I would say, don't do the show in the green room. Like, save it for the air. Save it for when everyone can watch it. Don't, you know, don't use your fastballs then. So whenever we, we do show prep sometimes, I need to remind myself, don't do the show in the green room. Um. As Joy and I, I think Joy has sold that more than you did. Well, I think we can have Julia on the show. <laughs> I would love that. She'd be great. Um, so Sean Desai. Before we get to Sean Desai, let okay. me tell you about FOCO. Okay. Now, see, this is what's going through my mind is we got to yes. get one more thing in before we talk Sean Got to pay the bills, man. Got to pay the bills. Uh, let's talk about FOCO. You know about FOCO. We talk about FOCO every day. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment <laughs> merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, Toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It is the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's football and tailgating season. Overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game. Everything you might need for a bit of a holiday gift. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY10. For ten percent off. All right, tell me about Sean Desai. So with Sean Desai, a, a big thing with them is is getting off the field on some of these third downs. They they allow third and longs because if if you do that, then the, then these high uh, snap counts that you're seeing from the from it's the a problem. Would, would Let down. me give you some numbers here. Yes, okay. I love this. They are 29th in the league in third and long defense in terms of allowing first downs. Mm. Right, and if you get really specific. Where they're really, really bad is between seven and ten yards. Okay, so when like 
And this is a problem because when they are built to stop the run and it's all about forcing teams into third and long, they are dead last in the league. Hmm. Uh, they have had 30 plays against them between seven and 10 yards to go. They've given up a first down on 50% of them, 15 out of 30, which is crazy. Like the, the league average is, is low 30%, actually about 36%. Um, that's bad. And it's, and it's been a problem. It, and it, and like the, the numbers match the eye test yes. that has been where they have struggled this season. And it's, it's bad because, as I said, like that is sort of the structure of the defense, it seems. And when you are so good stopping the run on first and second down, you got to get off the field yeah. on third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, third and ten. So that's a problem. Now, the Niners, you're hoping you can stop the run on first and second down, too. You can't be doing that uh, in these games that matter. What did he say about the, the third and long defense? Yeah, so he said it's on him. You know, he he's doing what any any coach does. He he said it's a, it's, it's on him, and, and there's things within that 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 they need to do. He did not give specifics on it, but he spoke more generally about how that's factoring into the to the snaps. So uh, the Eagles can't control the offense going three and out. They can't control a quick turnover when the defense gets back on the field, but they can control getting off the field. And when they when when they get off the field. Some of these games, when they're at you know 70, 80, 90 snaps this past week, those are more in like the 60s or so. So uh, getting off 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 the field is is going to be critical here. And I'm glad you brought up those numbers because it shows that they're not doing that well enough at all. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised just how bad they are. Uh, yeah. I would have guessed low in the league on third and long. 29th in the league is pretty bad. But I mean, even even though it's a specific, uh, like a very specific tent pole. That's not the right word, but still, thirty uh, second in the league, fifteen out of thirty. That's yeah. that's that's no good. Garbanzo beans. And 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 then I was I was curious about the deployment of Darius Slay because it received some attention that he was shadowing uh, in in this past game, but there's no, there's like such inconsistency in terms of a week to week basis. You see the the approach that they had against Justin Jefferson. It's different than the approach they had against Cooper Cup in the first half and the second half. Different than the approach they had against CeeDee Lamb. Different than the approach, you know, that 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 they had against Stefan Diggs. So I I just asked what dictates this. And he says they get together as a staff and they kind of look at the matchup. They look at, at at how the other guy fits against the opposing receiver. So I think, too, when you're probably looking at, at, at the Bills, you're saying, all right, Gabe Davis is probably a better matchup for James Bradbury than some of these other receivers you might see against, you know, who's, who's opposite a top guy. You also probably want to look at how many times they're playing in the slot, what their left, right distribution is. Uh, now that you have Bradley Roby, there's a little more flexibility there, I think. So I'm, I'm curious because you, you do have CD lamb coming up uh, in two weeks. You have DK Metcalf coming up in three weeks uh, and then in the playoffs, you might be seeing some of these top receivers again, right? Now, the Niners present their own challenge because they have four or five guys, four or five skill guys who you, who you, who you need to account for. In, in particular, four jump to mind, which is McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. And Debo's a very unique player in his own respect. And that, that Debo matchup against... James Bradbury is going to get a lot of attention yes. based on some of the fighting words going on. Uh, Debo called him trash last offseason. Yeah, and then said he he doesn't uh, right. take back anything he said or stands by everything he said. Uh, so I I don't think this is a big slay matchup, but I am I am curious because there's there's no uniform approach to how they're doing this. Well, I and, think this is I, I think this is the most impressive part of the Sean Desai experience so far is that there there is an unpredictability week to week and you know, snap to snap within games about what they're doing yeah. on defense. And not only like, it's not like you're just playing Madden and you can say, let's play this defense. Let's keep him off guard by playing. Like the players have to be able to carry yes. that out. And with so many uh, moving parts, like the revolving doors injury wise, and also the rotations in defense, you know, it's Eli Ricks on third down. It's Bradley Roby yeah. on first and second down. The linebackers are rotating. He is able to call, different things throughout the game and get the guys to be in the right position. And I think, I think that is the most impressive thing that we've, we've seen yeah. from the defense so far. That's a really good point. And there's a certain irony that he's kind of made non-rotational positions, rotational positions and rotational positions, non-rotational yeah, positions. Exactly. Uh, like it's, it's now the, I think part of it is they see a, a Delta in a significant way between Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat and the next guys there. Yeah, uh, I, I, but, and you, and 
you know, Sirianni will say you got to do what you got to do yeah. to win the game. But I'm, I'm still worried about the long game of it. Yeah. So I actually did uh, bring up to Desai. I was, I was curious how unique the Eagles Wednesdays are relative to uh, where else he, he's been in the league. Because unlike these other coaches, this is probably new to him, like having a walkthrough every Wednesday. And he says every coach has a different approach for how they handle Wednesday and Thursday. He thinks the Eagles have, have a method that's been successful. Uh, and walkthrough is kind of a generic term. My understanding is they're not walking through. What they're doing is they're going through the plays, but it's a way to kind of alleviate some of the like physicality of of practice. It's it's more of a a mental preparation than it is the physical how physically taxing it is. And again, this is me speaking, but I do think that has something to do with the way they're operating on Sundays. And Sean Desai did say everything that the Eagles do during the week, everything is geared towards Sunday, which is, that might seem like an obvious statement, but that's not the way a lot of teams do it. A lot of teams say, like, the most important day today is, is this Wednesday practice, right? And you need to practice a certain way to play a certain way. And the way the Eagles have, have, have done it is, like, let's get these guys to Sunday. Let's get these guys in optimum condition for Sunday. And I... I'm, I'm going to keep bringing this up because I do think that factors in to the load level that they think these players can take because they're monitoring them throughout the week. They have a certain exertion level that, that they're going to get to have on, on Wednesday and on Thursday and then on Friday. And I think they feel that they can push the envelope a little more on Sundays based on the way they're dealing with Wednesday. My pushback on that mm -hmm. is that that has been the organizational case for some time, certainly throughout Nick Sirianni's tenure. Yeah. And still... Sweat and Reddick in particular are on pace to play many more snaps than they have under yeah. Sirianni or or whatever the top two edge rushers are. The same thing goes for the defensive tackles. For an organization that has always heavily rotated the defensive line, they are not doing that this year. Yeah, that's a good point. And, I th and we spoke about this yesterday. To me, an underrated storyline that, that sh should start to get a, a little more attention here and I, I it, it's not factoring into wins and losses but it is a it is a relevant one when you look at kind of the domino effect is nolan smith's development yeah. and nolan smith needs to play more like when you're the 30th pick in the draft yes uh, at that position and as you've pointed out a fourth year player but, but i'm sorry a, a four-year player but even the four-year player aside he but was like, not from, drafted. The, from the championship program yeah. like he is supposed to be ready -made. yeah he was not yeah. drafted to have a redshirt year. Now, he was not drafted to be an every-down player to be the top of the depth chart, but he was drafted to be within a rotation. And when they waived Derek Barnett, what you're doing there is you're signaling, this is for, you know, you want to play four guys. Here's your fourth guy. And I think there was, I said it on, on, on the air during the trade, you know, before the trade deadline, but then there was behind-the-scenes messaging, I, I think, that, that suggested this as well that they're hoping Nolan Smith is their edge rusher acquisition, right. basically. Like, the the uptick that you get from him in the second half. And we're rolling into December now. We need to see more from Nolan Smith. And if Nolan Smith can give you 20 good snaps, you know, 15 to 20 snaps a game, that makes Hassan Reddick's life so much easier. Yeah, I mean, it took them playing 92 defensive snaps for him to finally yeah. get over 10 snaps a game. He yeah. played 11 against mm -hmm. the Bills, and that's you need more from him. I, I see Tracer Bullet says edge uh, that that the edges usually take some time. I'm going to push back on that, right? Like his his assignments to, to to run toward the quarterback. Now there's there's nuances to the position, but what you, what you need him to do is you need him to give you quality pass rushes and set an edge. Yeah, I'm not even asking him to be productive. Yeah. I'm just asking him to play some snaps. Like mm -hmm. it's it's not it's not a red flag to me that he you know doesn't have five sacks. It's a red yeah. flag to me that they don't trust him to play twenty snaps a game. Yeah, and and by the way, some of these offensive tackles that that they're seeing are like either replacements or replacement level even. Wow, shots fired. A Nolan Smith should be able to get some some productive snaps against these guys. We we saw it in training camp, so I I don't know if it was a matter of. The injury slowed. <coughs> excuse me. The injury slowed him down, or if he hit a wall. But I do think we need to see more from him. All right. Last thing to discuss. We touched on it a little bit yesterday. Shaq Leonard yeah. going to visit the Dallas Cowboys. What's the situation there? 
So what's interesting to me about this is you're acknowledging that he's in that, that he's going to the Cowboys building, right? Uh, and there's the old adage in recruitment, whether you're trying to get a coach or you're trying to get a player. Don't let him out the building. Don't let him out the building. So if, if, uh, if he, if the way this has been framed by really credible reporters, Adam Schefter, Diana Rossini, Josina Anderson, like uh, that uh, he's, he's visiting Dallas and that he's expected to be in Philadelphia tomorrow, I, I believe. And I think John Clark had a report out there. And I do know there's interest from the Eagles. I can say that. Uh, but what you have to wonder is if he doesn't sign with Dallas, okay, is it something that, that, that they saw? Like, like you're, you're getting a, a, a guy that they're letting out the building? Or is it the type of thing where he, he sees this from a business perspective and that there's, some, there's, there's, there's leverage on, on his end? You have these two rivals going after him. It's a good position to be in. Uh, but it's not a money thing. It's not a money because thing. Because he's yeah. getting the money from the it's Colts. It's offset. Right. Yeah, so exactly. it doesn't matter what these teams are offering sure. money-wise. It's, it's, it's opportunity. the situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, I am curious about that. But when, <coughs> excuse me, when he visits Dallas first, if they let him out of the building, then... Uh, well, you know, Nick, the, Nick the uh, made up. no secret. He said they, they've gotten, they've got, they've still got a relationship. So, you know, if, yeah. if they really want him, Nick is texting him while he's there. Like, you got to come see what we've got, you know? Yeah. Let's, let's see Nick. So I, I yeah, it's been I, a while since he had to uh, recruit at that, uh, what is it? Uh, Bahama breeze or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, I was, uh, was going to say the, uh, my understanding when he was at Indiana university of Pennsylvania. Okay. Which was his last college stop. Okay, he was at Mountain union first. He did a great job chronicling that. Uh, when he was at IUP, that this guy could recruit like mm. like this this guy knew how to this this guy knew how to make it happen in recruiting. So what was the, the King of Prussia place? The Bahama Breeze. Oh, was that what it was called? Yeah, oh. Bahama Breeze. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I am yeah. reading your stories. Yeah, Royale Edwards. He was uh, and a handful of other guys. He was, he, uh, but he was. This was his recruiting area. He would he would get into those government issued uh, cars and drive across the state. From northwest India or from northwest Pennsylvania, IUPs in the in the northwest in, 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 kind of the northwest corner. He, he would go through uh, the Appalachian Mountains, um, or then he'd go through the Poconos. He would roll into these different schools here in southeast Pennsylvania. He would always wear a shirt and tie, uh, which is which his coach wanted him to do. And yeah, Nick Sirianni, from from what I understand, when he was you know, 23, 24 years old, this guy, this guy could recruit. There you go. We'll see how it plays out this week. Yeah. Speaking of which, to all the uh, Temple fans here or the Temple uh, crowd watching us, Fran Brown, former Temple assistant, now Georgia defensive backs or, or Georgia assistant, it looks like, according to multiple reports, including Bruce Feldman from The Athletic, that he is going to be the next Syracuse coach. So this... Uh, really? Yeah. So this this pipeline... From Philly slash South Jersey to uh, to Syracuse, you're going to see it in, in in great effect. And I saw I saw two Pro Bowlers on the field on Sunday: Hassan Reddick and Deion Dawkins. And if those are the players that Fran Brown's getting up to, up to play in the Carrier Dome, then uh, it'll be a, it'll be a, a new era of orange, if you will. It's interesting um, that Syracuse would have to stoop to hiring the second best Fran from that era of Temple football. Ah, shout out to Fran Duffy. Yes. Okay. I mean, I mean Fran Brown. I don't know Fran Brown from Adam, but no, well, I, I didn't know they would go in that no direction. He's no Fran Duffy, that's for sure. I, I, <coughs> excuse me. I actually thought they would go like Dan Mullen or Bob Chesney. Um, but the fact that, look, if, if you're pulling from that Georgia pipeline, it worked for Dan Lanning, it worked for Sam Pittman, it worked for to a certain extent with Mel Tucker um, before things went all right. <laughs> Uh, uh, Not sure we needed to go to France to Mel Tucker, but uh, on this episode, Zach. But okay. No, I, I'm saying when he was the coach, he won games at Colorado and then at Michigan State, and I will leave it at that. But uh, Kirby Smart's a great program to learn from, and I think Matt Rule was a is, is a really good head coach, and Fran Brown learned from him too. Okay, pipes all clean. We're good to go. Close the show. I, I, I staying away from that reference. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the PHLY Eagles podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you for watching. Make sure you're hitting subscribe. 
download, evangelizing about the show, all that good stuff. We'll be back on Thursday and Friday this week. Plenty to talk about as we prepare for Eagles-Niners, a game with significant playoff implications. We'll talk about that. We'll unpack it all as the week goes on. So for Zach and Julia, I'm Bo. We thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Thursday. And as always, we love you. We all silly like the mayor. 